Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's picking it up real nice. And, okay, maybe. Oh, I just, I got to put some more chutzpah behind it. <laughs> chutzpah. I got to put some oomph. And I didn't know what chutzpah was until Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell had like a podcast episode about it. Is that right? Yeah. I, I got to listen to The difference between like chutzpah and like stuff. chutzpah. Chutzpah and chutzpah. I don't know. It was really weird. Wait, there's a difference between those two things? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's where my that's where my understanding is. Yeah. All right, and we're back. We're, we're back in the saddle. Ow. <laughs> back in the saddle and, and hurting ourselves already. <laughs> Well, we're, I think we're in new saddles. Uh, this is our first ever in-person uh, podcast recording. And if I fall asleep in the middle of it, it's because I just had the largest meal I've had in approximately four months. Uh, we, we did just make a, a triumphant dinner. <laughs> That's for darn sure. With the probably the best sweet potatoes I've ever had, if I'm being honest. Wow. Uh, Whole Foods, sweet potatoes um, were very good. Cheers to you, Whole Foods. Also... I don't think we talked about this on our walk back. What do you think? So we went to Trader Joe's first and the line was out the door. Mm-hmm. We literally walked, walked two blocks down the street to Whole Foods and we got right in instantly. Yeah. Well, so I think it's a, and this is speculation. Uh, I think it's a difference in company policy. I think at the larger stores like Whole Foods and Target, it's much harder to police total number of people that are sure. inside the store. Whereas my understanding of what they're doing with Trader Joe's from a conversation with an employee at the, the Vermont location. Uh, yeah, there's one, <laughs> the Vermont location, uh, was that it was a calculation of total square footage in the store, then divided by whatever the metric they use to determine approximate allowable social distance and then that dictates the number of people that can have in the store at a time and then they have people who are staffed to say okay when two more people come out you two can go in or one of you can go in right now if a single person comes out whatever things like that yeah interesting well because i think this trader joe's so downtown minneapolis trader joe's i'm pretty sure they only they cap it out at 10 at least that's what it was. Wow, really? Yeah. That's not... Well, I guess that store really isn't very big, so I guess that makes sense, but that's not a lot of people in the store. No, it's not. It's not. But, I mean, it goes to show the the brand loyalty that is what Trader Joe's has built, that the line was do love Trader as Joe's. far back as it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I would have waited in that line had Whole yeah. Foods not been right there and available yeah. to us. But. I was for... We went to Whole Foods, so I was forced to settle for Halo Top ice cream. When what I really wanted was the Trader Joe's. Cookie butter? Oh, okay. Sure. What did you think I was going to say? So Salted Trader, caramel one's really good too. So, well, Trader Joe's has a low-calorie, high-protein option. That is like known. Trader Joe's. Should have known. <laughs> yep. I know. I think it's a relatively recent development. <laughs> Certainly does not have the prestige that Halo Top does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, but they've time. got it's – like it's like a peanut butter cup and a cookies and cream. Right? Oh, no. They're good, man. They're good. That's dangerous. Do we? Do you have? You probably don't know off the top of your head how many calories are in those things. Uh, embarrassingly enough, I know exactly. How I many love that. Are in those things. Uh, so okay, so Halo Top. So we we did a little market research at Whole Foods. My first instinct was to go Ben and Jerry's Americone Dream, which has a whopping 
1,100 calories per pint. Halo Top, by contrast, has 330 calories per pint. And this new mythical, mystical, and magical concoction at Trader Joe's has how many calories? (laughs) Oh, the triple M's get me every time. (laughs) Uh, the, The cookies and cream has 300 Oh my peanut butter cup is 330. So it's so right on par with the They one up Taylor Top. It's it's right in that neck of the woods. Yeah. yeah. And and from a, a macronutrient spread standpoint, you're looking at I think the same as if not more grams of protein per pint than what you'd see with a Halo Top. Uh now granted if we're if if the objective is I want the best ice cream around by no stretch of the imagination are these Trader Joe's or Halo Tops going to outdo Ben and Jerry's, right? But yeah. if you're not in the, if you're in the business of eating a whole pint of ice cream whenever you open the pint of ice that cream, that is mine. Yes, that is. I I'm with you. <laughs> I've gone to that business ten times out of ten. Uh, then yeah. you are probably going to be better off, unless you are like an Olympic distance athlete. You're probably going to be better off yeah. getting the Halo Top or the. That's Trader good Joe's to know. Local. Like That's Enlightened is another brand that does that. Yeah. Um, How would you rate our so the meal that we just had was some New York strip steaks, uh, sweet potato each. Connor had about five stocks of asparagus, and to, like so much asparagus, so much asparagus, uh, and then uh, one kind of head of corn. Mm-hmm. And so, if you had to, oh, we didn't have our grapes. We also have grapes in the fridge. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. grapes. Well, same for dessert. Yeah, I got, I got, I got my oh, ice cream. Shoot, that's right. What am I talking about? It's okay. <laughs> we just talked about ice cream for three minutes. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, how, how, in terms of like, is that like a meal that you would recommend to a client, or, um, like how how does that rank in terms of, on your scale? If it was a one to, one to ten, and you can't choose a seven. Hmm, that's a fair scale. I think that's an underused scale. Can't yeah. choose seven. Uh, so. Pro tip, if anyone out there is is listening to this and you find yourself uh, unhappy with your current profession and you're not sure where to go with yourself, uh, I cannot highly enough recommend getting into the fitness and health and wellness industry because the beauty is as soon as you're in there and anyone asks you any question, you can always say it depends <laughs> and it will be an appropriate answer. So That's actually, uh, it's actually true for lawyers. Uh, so it sounds like that's a, a cross, uh, what is it? Was it called when a discipline mm. cross disciplinary rule? It depends. Put that depends. one in your back pocket and use it. Forever. It depends. It'll always, always be, always be there for you. Uh, so uh, what I would soonest say is just breaking apart the component parts of the meal. Mm. We've got steak, which is largely protein and as protein sources go relatively dense in fat, probably not as much so as, you know, like certain sausages or uh, potential different cuts of steak. Yeah. Uh, But it's not going to be as lean. as like a chicken breast or something. Right. But anyway, uh, protein and fat there, sweet potato, carbohydrate, Uh, asparagus for me, additional carbohydrate, Uh, corn, carbohydrate, uh, so we've we've checked our macronutrient boxes, right? Uh, as far as proportions of those things, that's where the it depends is going to start to come a little bit more into play yeah. for people. Um, if ever you're in doubt 
I'm a big fan of instead of, uh, you know, if you're not in a position where you can like truly weigh and measure all of your foods, which I'm not saying that that's what you should be doing. Uh, you know, you guys know how I feel about the word should. Uh, what I'm saying is that it is a, it's probably the, the most efficient, most effective way. Just it's like, it's your straightest path to where you want to go. Usually when it comes to body composition. Um, but an easy substitute for that is using, uh, your hand. So fist being, uh, actually here, we'll, we'll, we'll start from, we'll start from open hand, uh, palm protein cupped handful starchy vegetable or starchy carbohydrate fist vegetable thumb healthy fat and so then using that general metric you can decide uh based on your body type your desired goals where you're at in the process of those things uh how many of those different measuring tools you want to use for figuring out how to put your meals together. So no, for like you and I, we're larger bodied athletic males. So I personally, if I was talking to a client who had our body composition mm -hmm. and our athletic lifestyle, I would probably say two palms worth of protein, two to three fists worth of vegetables, one to probably two cupped handfuls of, of starchy carbs and two thumbfuls of healthy fats. And using that metric, it's pretty much exactly where we were with that meal. Yeah. With, with the understanding that, that the fats were embedded in the steak itself. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not like we had avocado on the side. Or something. Yeah. I had some butter too. Had some butter. Yeah. Right. Which by the way, if people are listening, uh, butter is not the enemy. It is, it, it, if you get it from a resource, a responsibly sourced place, like it can be a very healthy fat, uh, in moderation, in moderation, course, right? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, well, also it's worth saying that, say what? With, as, as with everything. Oh, as with everything. I think you said with ravioli <laughs> really <laughs> intently. Like, well, I mean, I'm sure that's delicious. Butter I do love, is damn good. I do love ravioli. Uh, <laughs> right. As, as with everything, moderation, calories are still calories, regardless of where they're coming from. Uh, in, I mean, it'd be really hard to do, but in theory, you could gain weight exclusively eating broccoli, right? You'd have to eat just truckloads yeah. of broccoli, but you could do it because caloric calories in and calories out is still an important yeah. equation. Um, but anyway, uh, all that to say for you and I, uh, we, that, those are all whole foods. We cooked them ourselves. Yeah. None of that's additionally processed. I'm slapping that on like the eight, nine, 10 neck of the woods, depending on leaving a little bit of, of gray room for like, what are our goals right now? Right. You just said it was the most you've eaten in four months. Not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe your body needed it. Maybe that's why yeah. you were capable of eating all that. Uh, but maybe you eat a little bit less and you feel a little bit better and it goes from eight and a half to nine or nine and a half to 10. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it depends. And I think we did well. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say, cause I, if you would, if you would have came back and said like five, I would have been like, Oh man, I'm so screwed because <laughs> on my, on my spectrum of things, I was like, man, that's like, I'm, that's like a nine for me. Right. <laughs> that better be good. Cause I'm not sure. How to, Otherwise I got to like scrap go. it, scrap it all and start right. over. Well, that's, that's where you start getting into this really toxic mindset of like, I have to do more. I have to be better. Yeah. And, uh, 
it's awesome if you can make a majority of your meals similar to what we just had, yeah. right? Thinking about either the composition with hand measurements or composition with general spread of macronutrients. Um, that's going to be really good on the long term for our physiological health. And you can't forget about psychological health in that equation. Either, yeah. Right. Sure. It's like sometimes like, yeah, on, on, on a general basis, if you're looking to have some ice cream, if you're having it all the time, probably Halo Top or Trader Joe's is the play. Uh, but sometimes, man, goddamn, <laughs> I'm going to go in on a pint of Ben and & Jerry's and I'm not going to think twice about it. Yeah. And that's uh, at risk of just totally tangenting our way here. Uh, not thinking twice about it yeah. is almost as important a piece of the puzzle as the actual willingness to have the Ben & Jerry's. Because what happens often is, uh, say you, it's like Saturday morning, uh, maybe you even went to to work out or something, um, or you didn't, and you go to brunch, and the waffles are the special, and you get them, and they're delicious, and then yeah. you get quickly into this mind state of, well, F it, I'm just going to send it today, and yeah. eat whatever the heck I want, and then I'll get back on the trail tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes around, and you feel like crap from the other day previous, and so you say, all right, well, I'm actually going to skip breakfast to try to compensate for yesterday. And you start to get into this really kind of cyclical binge restrict cycle, right? Um, Which for a lot of people is, I mean, that's where eating disorders come from in certain terms. So what I would, what I would soon say is instead of uh, F it, give yourself permission to say F yeah, right? Where it's like, I'm going to savor every last bite of this and, and, and enjoy this indulgence knowing that on the other side is everything that I normally do and that this one instance isn't going to change fundamentally who I am or my goals. Mm. Uh, it's a, it's more of a mindset thing than an actual like food composition thing, Yeah, but it does go a really long way. So yeah. And that, this is ten like not tangentially, but this is kind of related in what I think was embedded there a little bit. One thing that I've been trying to think through a lot is we tend to hold in high esteem as like a society generally this idea of uh, delayed gratification and like constantly kind of making sacrifices today to make for a better tomorrow and delaying gratification, delaying gratification. Now, I agree with that. Absolutely. Because I think that's like the discipline equals freedom, right? Like to, to like ultimately that delayed gratification is, is the idea is that you're, if you're constantly making sacrifices to the future, then that future is perpetually upward trajecting, right? Like it's, it's trending upward always. If you're kind of making sacrifices today to have a better future. Yeah. Now where I struggle with this, it's like, if you're constantly delaying gratification, gratification never comes. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it was like, how do you, is there a similar way, you know, how we like bill in cheat days right. for right. food? Is there a similar way to like, I don't know what it would look like. Outside of the, con- like in life? Yeah. Outside of the context of nutrition? Oh, like delaying gratification of like, you know, I, again, it depends on the specific context that you apply it in. But like, I have to think that there's, I don't know. And maybe, maybe, oh. maybe the answer is that, that's how you start to enjoy the journey because if you're delaying the gratification every single day, you realize that there is no quote unquote and the grat like ultimate gratification to achieve. Yeah. 
And so in striving for that thing, you hopefully experience that thing along the way. Right. That, that's where mine goes. My mind yeah. goes right away. Uh, is is a uh, you know knowing that knowing from what we knowing what we know about what people experience when they do mm-hmm. in fact reach their finish line, it's not everything that they think that it's going to be. It's yeah. now okay. Well, I need a new finish line, and by virtue of chasing the gratification, gratification can't exist because it, it never reaches the the level that you want it to be yeah and in that way it ends up being perpetually delayed right um whereas i mean if you can if you can learn to love the process it's about as as cliche as it comes but cliches are cliches for a reason too you know Mm. so you can if you can find that fulfillment in the chase and in the journey i think that's where you're gonna be best off now how you do that is a whole nother can of worms but Mm -hmm. Well, and that, I mean, this kind of, we've talked about that in the context of like systems versus goals before, right? Of like, I think, like, trust the process. Yeah, you hear that all the time in, in like Alabama football. It's so like Nick Saban, you know, but you hear that in sports all the time of like trust the process. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, when you think about what it means, it means that, Trust that by sacrificing today, you will achieve the things along the way that you wanted to achieve. And it's like, so it's not like, uh, to the, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with that point, but basically it's like, well, I I guess my mind is is caught back on something you said earlier about, I think it's Derek Seavers. I think that's how you say his name. On Tim Ferriss, when he talks about if you could put something on a billboard, yeah. his, his the thing he would put is just the four words, it won't make you happy. Five words. Noah and I just froze simultaneously and, and looked each other dead in the eye. As I, I think I, I watched him count to five. And he watched me count to five. <laughs> five words. Five words. No, but I mean... To me, that's one of the most profound things. Like you have to start from this idea of like whatever you're chasing, it won't make you happy. Yeah. And so if if you start with that assumption, you're forced to construct your day to day as like something to be enjoyed. Right. Trusting that it will lead you where you want to go. Yeah. And so I, I, as it specifically relates to the context of football, as I think about trusting the process, um, a piece of that to me is working backwards from where that final destination would be. Right. Mm. So in the context of a football team, uh, we'll say for specifically for the NFL, cause I think that's most relatable for, well, not relatable and our, our audience is full of NFL <laughs> athletes, but uh, people understand how the NFL works, right? Yeah. Like you have a regular season and then you have the playoffs and then you have the Super Bowl, mm. Right. So, uh, the, the end goal is to win the Super Bowl. In order to do that, you have to win your conference championship. And in order to do that, you have to win, you have to get into the playoffs, right? In order to do that, you have to finish with a certain ranking amongst yeah. all these other teams, right? And in order to do that, you have to be a good team. And in order to do that, you have to execute plays well. And in order to do that, you have to know all the plays. And in order to do that, or you have to you have to practice all the plays, right? And in order to do that, you gotta show up to the field. And in order to do that, like you just it keeps coming back, right? Mm. Until eventually the 
it, it doesn't feel like it because what you're doing in the moment is so small and so minute, especially compared to this big grand thing that yeah. is winning the Super Bowl. But in a way, in order to in order to win the Super Bowl, what you have to do is put everything you have into your practice reps, because that that is step one or step zero in building up to step. Yeah. You know what 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 Super Bowl is next year? Fifty one. I have no idea. Whatever it is, step whatever. That would have been a, a fun step. Little, a lot of numerals. Step, yeah. Step. Insert Roman numerals here. Yeah. Uh, that's how you get there, right? Uh. And people either don't want to or uh, are incapable of making that connection and taking all those steps back. Yeah. So then they take for granted the things that are actually going to get them to where they think they want to be. Yep. And then to come back to what you're saying is it won't make you happy. Uh, granted, you know, if you win the Super Bowl, you're going to be in a pretty good place. But the point is but for a few day, days, that's right, what I'm, yeah, exactly. The next day it immediately becomes, I have to repeat. I have to three peat. Did you ever I watch? The best. Did you ever watch the MJ documentary? I haven't. Yeah, but I mean that is so evident because for all of his greatness, he still regrets not going back for another one, right? Because he thinks that that one would have made it happen, right? And that's that's the trap. Yeah. And so what I was what I would say is that in the to the point that you were making originally is that what, what trying to make what trying to make <laughs> uh, instead of Instead of living for the Super Bowl, if you can condition yourself mentally to live for the practice reps, then yeah. no matter what happens, you're going to have lived a happy life and yeah. be, have lived a life of fulfillment. And uh, again, it can, in a way, I just talked a circle around myself using another analogy. It was like, okay, that, that still doesn't provide any clarification as to how I learned to love the practice reps. But what I would tell you is that you can, you, you can control virtually, uh, what's the best way to put this? You can, in a, in a lot of situations, control how you feel about something. You just need to tell yourself, this is how you feel about that thing, right? Like we've talked in the past about how when we're in workouts and it, we're just deep in the pain cave, mm. right? There's this phrase like embrace the suck, right? Mm. A little, a little maybe hyper-masculine, <laughs> uh, but the point is a, is a strong one is that if you can, in those moments of make or break, through self-talk, through your actions, through some combination thereof, through whatever means you want to go about it with, yeah. if you can teach yourself and force yourself in some cases to love those moments, yeah. then not only are you ready for everything, but you're going to continue to thrive yeah. and love all of the steps along the way. And wherever you go, you will be happy because of how you got there. Yeah, a few things that it makes me think of. Uh, one is the stoic principle of memento mori, which is the remembered death Yeah, uh, that I want to come back to. But the one I want to start with is, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the last podcast or a few podcasts ago where I talked about the uncarved block. Yes. Like human beings being the uncarved block and that the actions that you take are a chisel to kind of mold the statue that you want to, to reveal the thing that's underneath it. And so I was actually, I was thinking about this. I don't remember why I was thinking about this the other day, but it was one of the things I was journaling about. I remember, and 
I already talked about this. Apologize because sometimes I can never remember if I talked about it with somebody else or just with myself. <laughs> Happens all the time. Uh, but it's so I was I was at Fly Feet and I actually despise like long distance running. Sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, no, I um, but I do not like it at all. <laughs> was at Fly Feet and it was at one point in the workout i had like a little strand of hair that had gotten sweaty and so it stuck together and so it was sticking out over my forehead so with every step it was hitting my forehead oh, man. this yeah. just ting yeah. ting ting and for whatever reason in that moment i was like thought of my strand of hair as a chisel just <clears throat> carving the uncarved block yeah into something yeah, more refined yeah, yeah. And so then it's like instant energy. Every time that thing, I'm just like, self-talk was like the most embarrassing thing. Thing Like if you could like hear my mind, it's like, yeah, chisel that block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like that, yeah. I mean, it's like as soon as that becomes the story of it's like, I'm I'm making myself one step at a time into the, the hero of my own story. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's what's so radically powerful and, and transformational for people yeah. is that I think a lot of people take for granted uh, how much control they have over the telling of that story. Yeah. Right. It's like, we're so quick to point the finger uh, and, and say that because this happened, therefore I am X. Yeah. Uh, wherein like extreme ownership dictates that you, you're always in control. Right. Like you, you, you can decide to make, cause I guarantee, okay, let's say thought exercise as a hypothetical, somebody Noah 2.0 from the treadmill immediately next to you. Right. In the exact same situation with the hair <laughs> smacking him on the yeah. forehead or even like people like if you're listening to this right now, thinking like maybe you were in a workout where, uh, you had a similar thing happen. Right. Or this happens to me when I go for runs, um, which is not frequently, but <laughs> When it, when it happens, if I'm wearing shorts, I got my phone with me in my pocket so I can listen to music. Uh, the pocket ends up being a little uncooperative. And so my phone like will kind of pop up yep. and smack me on the thigh over and over again, right? Uh, that That is what it is, right? That That is objectively something is happening. How you interpret it is entirely up to your choosing. Yeah. It can be... I, this is chiseling the block right now. Yeah. This can be, wow, what an awesome opportunity to continue to push through this thing yeah. that I've decided is uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, could also be like, man, or this thing sucks. It can be annoying. Right. right. This exactly. is stupid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the choice is yours to make. Yeah. And based on the choices that you make in those moments, all of the rest of your realities will come to reflect those decisions along the way because, uh, you are in doing so knowingly or unknowingly creating this identity for yourself. Mm. You're telling yourself that I'm the person that I'm the kind of person that when things get hard, I say these things to myself Yeah. or when adversity shows up, I see it as a negative, not as an opportunity for growth. Yeah. You know, it, it's, and it's the little things that add up as a principle from atomic habits, right? Yeah. Like it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, long-winded ways. No, I agree, and yeah. people don't realize how much control they have to make that choice for themselves. Well, we talk we talk about Jocko all the time on this podcast, and it's. I mean, I think it's a that's another different variation of the theme of like good, 
Like, like mm-hmm. when something annoying happens, like I haven't proven anything to myself until I'm broken at some level because I can do anything. You know, I could do 20, 25 burpees. That's not impressive. It's not impressive until I feel broken until I'm tempted to stop and then I like lean into it. Like that there's something annoying me or something uncomfortable that I decide will not break me. Yeah. Like that is when the fight starts. And it's like, it's like that, that is when it's like, you know, while you're in it. Yeah. You absolutely can be like, okay, this is an opportunity. Like this is an opportunity to show myself what I'm made of. Yep. Yeah. And I, at, at risk of continuing to just no, pile it on, and, baby. And, and steal <laughs> the, the airtime here. Uh, what I think is a critically important element of that is that people understand that you use the phrase, that's when the fight starts. The fight starts for different people at different places. Absolutely. Right? So when you were just saying uh, the number 225, is that yeah. you said? Like, I can do 20, 225 burpees and like, that's no big deal, right? If someone I didn't, listening well, on, this, I didn't say 225. I said 25. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, I see. Like, maybe you're just like really hitting some some endurance workouts <laughs> during this quarantine. Uh, but so, okay. So for some people, right? Like 25 burpees is, is you turn your nose up, right? Yeah. For other people, a burpee is just crippling mentally, yeah. right? Yeah. The point isn't that you measure yourself up to someone else or even and, and included in that when i say someone else i mean that includes the person that you want to be or in some cases the person that you once were yeah right like i was fat the fastest i've ever been in my life was in college i probably will never be that fast again does that suck sure does it do me any good to compare myself to then no absolutely not all i can worry about is when does the fight start for me right now? Mm. And then when, when it's time to fight to ensure that I do in fact go to fight, yeah. right? And so we, in, in the context of fitness, we talk about it in, in the sense that intensity is relative, right? Uh, I can measure force. I can measure distance. I can measure time. I can calculate what intensity is, but if somebody runs a six minute mile and their mile PR is five minutes, and somebody runs a six-minute mile and their mile PR previously was 6.10, who is more intense? Yep. By the numbers, uh, or I'm sorry, maybe the first person for the sake of the numbers, they their mile PR is five, they ran a 5.59, right? So they beat them by a second. By the numbers, if they're the same body weight, they run the same course, all variables controlled for, person number one was more intense because math. Yep. But we know that this person number two just ran a 10-second mile PR they were definitely more intense, relatively speaking. So it's absolute versus relative and not to discount yourself if you see others performing in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, and the unknowable thing, to, you're 100% right, and two things I'll add is the just the unknowable, non-objective thing you can never measure is how entrenched some self-limiting belief is in somebody and how difficult that is to overcome. And so yeah. it can never be a fully apples to apples thing because we'll never understand kind of what's been drilled into the person's another person's brain. And so like the only person that will ever know how hard you're truly going is you. And I've, I, I've, I've, I've heard it said, I, I don't know if I truly fully believe this, but I've heard it said that uh, confidence is the reputation you have with yourself because you can never fool yourself. 
I don't know if I believe that fully, but I believe it in so far as it stands for this idea that like going back to just showing yourself as you show yourself more and more what you can do, you realize that most, if not all of your limits are self-imposed. And so it's like, you'll never, you're going to, as you continue to build that confidence, it's going to be continuing to stretch those limitations outward and you just can't compare yourself to somebody else. And the second point I would raise is, and I'm sure you've heard this Connor too, whether it's you're lifting a particularly heavy weight, you're jumping a particularly high box jump, doing whatever particularly, you know, fine athletic feet. People be like, man, that was so impressive. And it's like, fine but that's not in the because it'll be like it'll be somebody else who's you know doing less or jumping not it's like they're so impressed and it's like yeah don't don't and then they'll try to like compare themselves and it's like that's not no no no. i I have 30 years of compound interest i have a lot of practice under my belt i've literally been doing this my whole life it wasn't always this way yeah like what you're seeing is the result of 30 years of practice yeah so it's like, it, this isn't, don't do that to yourself by drawing that comparison. Cause it's not a fair comparison. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that breaks my heart is when people instantly want to diminish, diminish themselves and their own feats because they're not doing what somebody else is doing. Right. Like that's not, it's not fair. It's not, that's not a fair comparison. Like you were saying, the only person to compete with is you. Yeah. So that's where I go. I think I'd mentioned this on the, I'm going to continue to harp on this idea of like the ghost that's, version of you. Yeah. 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 Like that's who you're, you're both chasing and, and like running from is the ghost person of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I, that's, that's, it's all important stuff. The only point on mental Mori to yeah, close the loop on that. We haven't spent a ton of time on the podcast talking about, talking about stoic principles um we will get to them slowly but surely i will continue to yeah. trickle in uh which as an as an aside before i get there um tim ferris has like a he did like an audio book where him i can't remember the name of the guy it's called the Tao of seneca you can download it for free on tim's website but he also has an audio book you have to pay for, like on audible i use one of my credits for it sure what is this guy who reads Seneca's letters in like a Seneca, Seneca, like old timey voice. And it's so good. <laughs> All right. It's so good. But so I've started, a pro, uh, I've started a practice of I'll listen to one letter every morning. I literally just started that this morning. Nice. So I started a practice, but it, I started it this morning. Sure. Well, that's, that's still this start. Yeah. Practice. yeah. Um, I've listened to like, a, like 28 of them. And, uh, but anyway, point being is it's like, uh, they will start to show up more and more because they'll be even more fresh in my mind than they usually are. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the Marcus Aurelius stuff, the Seneca stuff. I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My favorite thing that Seneca says is that, that nothing except the soul is worthy of wonder. Mm. And then the other one, and this ties into Memento Mori is the fool for all his other faults is always getting ready to live. Mm. And so that kind of goes to the delayed gratification a little bit. I mean, not totally. It's not totally apples to apples. But the idea that the fool for all his other faults is always getting ready to live is because we always say, we always defer things till tomorrow. As like just the human tendency is that 
uh, we always say we'll start tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then inevitably, uh, there's forever in tomorrow, right? And so we never start. Um, and so then we're always getting ready to live. We'll say we'll do that when, you know, I'll, I'll start, we'll start the podcast when, you know, I'll start writing when I'll start nutrition coaching when I get there. Uh, but most of the time we don't, we don't start. And I would, I would say it goes back to something we've talked before and we've even talked about on this podcast of like, well, have a little humility and realize that maybe you're aiming a little too high. So when I say that, I don't mean like dream big, but think small. Right. So it's like the idea of how me in the piano, right, is like break it down into something, goes to your diet thing, break it down into something you will actually do and actually follow. Totally. But anyway, so this idea of always getting ready to live and structuring your life in a way that you are satisfied with what you do on any given day such that you could leave this life at any time. Yeah. You know, like Marcus says, yep. you could leave life at any time. Let that determine what you do and say and think. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's trusting the process, right? It's like the realization that it's not the happiness, the gratification, the purpose isn't this end destination. It's what you do on any given day with the time you're allotted. Yep. And can you be proud of that? the end of the day yep. it was like the work that you don't necessarily like the time i spend writing the time you do working on your craft you know the, the time you would spend practicing and the quality of that it's like can you at the end of that day at the end of that practice can you look back with pride on that thing yeah and one of my my college football coach used to say this thing about you know if each practice was a painting are you like would you sign your name on it like are you proud of that painting damn wow and so it's, it's I, yeah, I mean, it's that, to me, that was the perfect embodiment of it. It's like, is, is what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, something you're proud of that you'd be willing to sign it and show it to the world. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's this idea of memento mori, which is remember death. And the idea that, I mean, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's gotta be that right. Like between Kobe, coronavirus, riots, racism, generally it's like, It's, it's an extremely sobering reality. Yeah. That is 2020. Yeah. Right? Like you is if ever if ever you've doubted the concept that anything and everything could be taken from a sec taken from you in a second, look around you. Yeah. Right? Um I understand that uh the reason for businesses being boarded up here in Minneapolis is are many, right? Yeah. It's it's not that all of those are uh, coronavirus related. It's not that all of those are, are riot and protest related. It's probably inevitably as with everything, it's a combination of, of things. Right. Uh, but you know, here is if, if your whole life you had dreams of like, I'll make it when I start this business yeah, and then you start that business and then all of a sudden here comes the coronavirus or here comes riots and protesting and looting. And just like that, it's gone. Just like that, it's taken from you. If that is the only thing that you can hang your hat on, yeah. what do you have? Yeah. What do you have? Yeah, I, the, man, that's so perfect. It, it takes me right back to that, the poem I read once upon a time on this podcast, the if poem. Mm -hmm. There's that line of if you can, you can uh, stoop and like, I'm going to butcher the exact words, but it's like, you can stoop and rebuild what's been broken with worn out tools. Mm. And so mm -hmm. it's the idea of like, 
if you're the type of person that does that and you're proud of that, what more do you need? Yeah. It's this idea of like, again, to me, it gets to this concept of nothing except a soul is worthy of wonder. And so it's like, the more and more we place our identity and our value on the pursuit of these outside material things, the more we render ourselves subject to complete demolition when something bad happens. But if our focus is and remains kind of the perfection and refinement of our soul and the human being we are, the type of person we are, that can't be taken from us. Yeah. It's like, again, going back to, this is Epictetus. Uh, It's, uh, they can hurt, they can kill me, but they cannot hurt me. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just that, I, I mean, and we talked about it again. My, now I'm on a roll. My favorite, <laughs> ride, my favorite movie we talked about kingdom of heaven and the, the, the king in the movie at one point looks at Bailey in the night and he says, he talks about, well, he says a lot of things, but one thing he says is that, you know, your soul is in your keeping alone. Um, and I, it's just, yeah, man, that was my rant. I don't know where else I was going with that, but I was in the zone and I blacked out for a second. <laughs> it's, it's, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a podcast <laughs> if we didn't have at least one blackout rant type of session. Uh, oh, which um, at, at risk of, uh, in, in, at risk of just inserting a, a somewhat sharp, not so graceful segue uh maybe it's appropriate first of all uh for for the for the devout devoted listeners out there uh we apologize for our hiatus and now subsequently for the delay on this episode going up from our our usual monday schedule um one of the one of the phrases that has been heavy in my life uh and present on my heart the last year uh, has been, you got to be willing sometimes to live life on life's terms. And I think I want you to talk about this because I've, I've now either, whether it's Instagram posts or in live conversations, I, I think I've heard you say it at least nine or 10 times. And every single time I'm like, I don't know if I know exactly what he means by that. Sure. So it, it kind of opens up to another conversation that I would love to have okay. uh, for this recording. And it's the, so uh, let's, well, so we'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Uh, nice little cliffhanger. Uh, Hold on. Do we, before, before we jo- dive into that. Yeah. Sorry to make it sharp turns here for everybody. We're just, we're, um, but yeah. I'm wondering if we want to tackle. No, we'll continue this. We'll do the cover challenges after. We just, I just don't want to forget. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I just don't want to forget. Okay. Uh, audio note to self. Public yeah. challenges for or, uh, public challenges. Public challenges. Public challenges. Public challenges. <laughs> you have to go out in public in your underwear. It's like the Hunger Games. And run around. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so uh, to me, living life on life's terms is understanding that there are going to be things that come up that you are not, in fact, in control of. Yeah. Right. Um, or that you can selectfully choose how you respond to, as is the case with everything, mm-hmm. right? Actually, as you were as you were proceeding down your black hole, one of the things that came to mind was this idea that uh, it's, a, it's an equation I often attribute to stoicism. I don't actually know where it comes from formally. Uh, this idea of event plus reaction equals outcome, 
which I think is, is I think for, uh, Victor Frankl speaks to it in Man's Search for Meaning or some representation thereof. But it's this idea that uh, something happens and then however you choose to react to it dictates yeah. how you perceive the outcome, right? Yeah. Um, I was going to illustrate an example, but I think I think people understand it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so I think it's I think it's um, Epictetus, and he says it's not things that upset us; it's our thoughts about those things. Yes, essentially, that's, that's exactly that's yeah. exactly right, right? Um, actually, we were talking about examples earlier in this podcast, right? Your hair is constantly flicking you yeah. in the forehead. Uh, that is the event. Objectively, that is what's happening. You can react to it positively as the block being chiseled. You can react to it negatively as my God, this is so annoying. And I still almost so much farther run on this treadmill. Yeah. And that immediately creates this divergence of how the outcome is perceived. Right. Um, and what I have been trying to do is uh, be really intentional about putting as much space as I possibly can between event and reaction to ensure that whatever my reaction becomes leads me towards the outcome that is in alignment with my why mm. Harkening back to yeah. the last podcast with, with your brother, with Cody. Mm. Uh, and over the last year or so, the manifestation of that manifestations of that have been making the decision first to leave Minnesota and move back to Vermont moved back in with my mom so that I could support her and indirectly support my grandmother whose yeah. health was declining, uh, was there for almost a year, uh, enjoyed it relatively speaking in so far as, um, you know, I moved back because you know, grandmother's health and subsequently my mom's physical and mental and emotional health. Uh, that decision to me was at the time of making it the hardest thing that I've ever done because it meant leaving behind what I loved to do in working at Alchemy, the people I loved to be around in my friends at Alchemy and people I've met through Alchemy and my community in the Twin Cities and where I loved to be, that being the Twin Cities and the surrounding area mm. of Minnesota, right? Um, but to me, I knew, I knew that in that moment, in keeping with my core values, the right place for me to be, where I needed to be, was in Vermont. And that is... Uh, a instance in my mind of living life on life's terms, right? It's like, I didn't choose for those circumstances to become what they were, but having now been presented with them, it's my choice of how to respond. Mm. Um, and then the reason now that we are capable of doing this podcast in person is that as of just under a week ago, I have since moved back to the Twin Cities. Life circumstances have changed mm. to where uh, I now feel emotionally, morally, mentally, mental health, all of all of the different lees that you can think of. Yeah. Uh, I felt not just comfortable coming back to the Twin Cities, but then especially with everything else that has happened and has transpired over the last couple of months between the coronavirus, first of all, just frankly ravaging yeah. Alchemy 365. And as a result, so many of the people that I love so dearly, seeing them, they either laid off or don't have the opportunity for work or salaries cut mm. or whatever, right? And then 
stack the the protests and the George Floyd aftermath mm. on top of that. And <clears throat> that in tandem with changes with the situations that brought me home in the first place, kind of flipped things on its head to where now I was physically in Vermont because for a stretch of time, that was where I needed to be. Yep. And now I'm back in Minneapolis and back in the Twin Cities because I believe that here now is where I need to be. It is also where I want to be. So in that sense, I think it's some element of living life on life's terms insofar as it's, uh, it is a choice that was not imposed onto me because we always have control of how we, how we respond yeah. to a situation, but it was a choice that, you know, whether I like it or not, I was being pretty, uh, pretty, pretty healthily nudged in one particular direction. Yeah. Right. Um, this case is a little bit different because, uh, it's also where I want to be. I, I I'm passionate about getting back involved with the alchemy community, which thank goodness I have the opportunity to do getting back out here and, and being more immersed in the twin cities to try to find ways to help with everything that is going on. Um, and so that's where the phrase that I used before we started recording is trying to navigate purpose with passion. When I moved back and left Minnesota, that to me was because of purpose. That was where I felt I needed to be for my family and for my values. My, I was leaving my passion behind in doing so. But that was a compromise that I was willing to make because of the values that I have. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I want to pipe in here with is like, I, so when you say purpose, I, like maybe this is an example of was using slightly different language, but it's like, to me, I think when I, when, when we were having those conversations uh, before you went out to Vermont, it was truly a consultation of the soul. And so it's like, you're saying purpose, but I think it's like, I think here per, synonymous with purpose is like what is your soul saying to you yeah and so it's like this like how like yeah when this life situation happens and it is what it is it's like you have to sit and listen to your soul and say okay how do i not compromise who i am what i stand for and like the person i want to be yeah because if i if i compromise that that thing is going to scratch at my conscious, like nails in a coffin, mm-hmm. you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to live with myself. And it's like, I'm, I'm confident now that like you will forever be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I, I did the right thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, I mean, I hope so. Selfishly speaking. Um, well, and, and the reality is, is like, you right. might never actually know objectively. Right. Right. Uh, but, that the point isn't that you find this objective truth. The point is you're always trying to. Yeah. Honestly trying to. Yeah. Like, and that's the humility piece of it is it's like, I'm never going to have the answers. I'm never going to know this, the exact truth, but I I promise you I'm going to fight to learn it. Yeah. Totally. And get closer to it and stumble toward it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, my mind is caught up on, on something that you said there. And I think it's a, a really, really powerful question that people can ask themselves. And if we can train ourselves to ask us to, to use this as an assessment point 
as frankly, as, as constantly as possible, mm. as, as often as we possibly can throughout our waking moments. Uh, and ideally, if you can control what you dream about your sleeping moments, but <laughs> uh, I don't know how to do that. Um, is if you can, at as many turns as possible, put the gap between event and reaction, uh, reaction or choice being another word that you can put in there. And in that gap, ask yourself, is what I'm about to do right now moving me towards the person that I want to be? Mm-hmm. Or is of these decisions, which of these are going to keep me in line, in alignment with the person that I want to be? Which of these things are, is where my soul is telling me to go towards? Yeah. Uh, and if, if everyone can start doing that, that's where you start to lean hard into stuff that really matters yeah. and it makes it really easy to use a somewhat frivolous example. It makes it really easy to say no to the cookie. Yeah. It makes it really easy to turn down seconds. It makes it really easy to frankly make a decision to uproot your entire life. Right? Because what other option do I have? Yeah. This is, this is the person that I want to be. Yeah. This is who I am. Of course, I'm going to throw myself at this thing. Never would have doubted it. Yeah. Right? Was it hard? A hundred percent. Steps forward doesn't mean that, that it's going to be a smooth ride. Right? But as long as you're moving forward towards the kind of person that you want to be. Yeah. So I think that uh, you're a hundred percent right. And I think this touches on our, when we were talking about like heroes and anti-heroes. Yeah. And so I, I don't know why I just drew this connection, but I think... It's the exact, you remember when like WWJD bracelets were a big thing? Like what would Jesus do? To me, so it's like, what is, what does God represent? If not, regardless of what, whatever listener thinks of the idea of God generally, what is God, but the ideal, right? And so it's like the thing to aim at as the ideal that like calls to you, right? So think about it as the hero. And so it's like, if you think about, asking yourself what like how do i become more like the person i want to be to me that's the christian the christian version of that is what would jesus do sure right it's the same thing and so it's like you can think about it you can break down any heroes you can do it like what would you know if i like hercules we talked about hercules i was like what would hercules do what would marcus aurelius do what would abraham lincoln do yeah so it's like if you build this series of people heroes you look up to and you know what characteristics about them make you look up to them yeah you can quickly kind of measure yourself against the things you admire in them to help you determine i mean that's how you become the person you want to be is this collection of everyone you admire yeah and that that is a extremely powerful distinction in uh coming back to the conversation that we were having earlier about you don't compare yourself to anyone besides yourself because what you're doing there is you're not comparing yourself to Abraham Lincoln or to Hercules or to Marcus Aurelius. Right. What you're doing there is comparing yourself against the values of these individuals that you would like to emulate in your life. Mm -hmm. And that in that way is still a, a me versus me comparison because it's these things are important to me. Am I living these things out? Not am I doing what Marcus would do? Yep. 
because the fact that you're, you're not him, right? But you can emulate characteristics and values of his that you deem, uh, you know, inspirational, motivational, yeah. uh, powerful, you know, however, however you want to think about it, right? Uh, you can bring those things into your life to make you a better version of yourself. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and that's, I think another important distinction or qualification to throw out is I think it's it's also really important that whoever you hold up, whoever you idolize, whoever is your hero, to understand that to avoid putting them on a pedestal that it can cannot be reached. So the realization that they too were human, they too had flaws and faults, and taken as a whole, their life as a whole probably wasn't as good as you think it was. Um, they struggled. Abraham Lincoln was severely depressed and he like almost committed suicide a few times. So like before going and thinking for me personally, he's like, Oh, I wish I was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I actually kind of don't because living in his head would be quite miserable. Um, because there are days when I think the same thing about mine and I think his was amplified times 10. Uh, but for all of that crap, he had to suffer through it just, the, all of the good he was able to tap into um, is something to be admired. Uh, and so I think it's important to not, to, to separate the values that you admire from, and not saying you can't admire people as a whole, but it's just a realization that like they are human, same as you, anything, like the same seeds that were in them are in you. You just have to cultivate them. Yeah. Um, and then you can exude the characteristics that you admire. Yeah. And if you're not, and if you're not sure how to do it, uh, my mind goes back to, um, again, a conversation that we had with Cody last time we recorded. Yeah. Uh, if, if you, if you can come up with a list of people, uh, but you're not really sure how to take the next step, just ask yourself, why do I admire these people? Yeah. Right. Like just start to peel back some layers until you figure out these are either the unifying characteristics across all these people or these are the things that they stood for that are also important to me. Yeah. You can, you can work backwards from that list to figure out for yourself what you want to bring into your own life. Another, another like device that I like for it. And I think we've talked about this before. Another device I like for it is like, for some reason, when we ask ourselves that question, we have a really hard time thinking about it as it relates to ourselves. But if you ask it as it relates to like, that's why I like a hero is because it focuses on somebody else. Like what do you admire about somebody else? Yeah. So a different way of asking the same thing that I actually really like that's been helpful for me is it's like, okay, what do I want my future child sure. to do? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you know, it's the same idea of like that your kid is going to observe you doing things. And so it's like, what are they going to pick up when they're watching you? And so I was like, if I asked myself the question of like, what's the type of person I want my future kid to be? Yeah. And then I use that as the guiding principle of how I need to act Yeah. because how can you expect if your future child to act in a way that's like, they're going to act how you act. And so the best way to, to mold the person you want them to be is show them the yeah, person. You gotta be it. Yeah. You gotta be it. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it was before we started recording, but you used the phrase a couple of times uh, standing on the shoulders of, giants right yeah if we see further it's because we stand on the shoulders of giants yeah it's isaac newton and so uh taking that and applying it to um you know this concept of 
showing up for your child to make them the kind of person that you want them to be. I don't want my kid to be who I am. I want my kid to be better than who I am. Mm. Right. And so if you're showing up as anything less than your perfect self, all you're doing is making their journey that much harder. Right. Yeah. It's not to say that it can't be done, you know, like, I, uh, it's, it's, you know, there are cases where I perhaps see something in my parents that I don't appreciate or that I don't agree with. And so therefore I make an intentional decision to go bring myself, bring my life in a, a different direction. Right. But those instances are far less frequent and far less automatic, just given how parenting and psychology and brain development works, uh, than what children see embodied yep. and show up on a, on a day-to-day basis. Well, yeah, it goes back to the idea of it's like, seeing how far we can carry the torch so that they can pick it up and like they run their leg of the race. Yeah. And it's like, I want to do, there's a lot of people that ran this race before me. A lot of people ran really far long after, you know, their leg was over. Mm -hmm. And so I want to pick up that torch and reciprocate that. And it's like, live again, this goes, we talked about this on the Memorial day one, or it's like, I mean, I think living your life in a way that justifies the sacrifice of the people that came before you is nothing except picking up that torch and carrying it as far as you can so that the people that come after you are higher. They're on your shoulders and you grow a little taller so that they can reach the fruit that's a little higher. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, all that jazz. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we should get to so comfort we, challenge. This is a public challenge. Public challenge. Public challenge. <laughs> Uh, so I believe my brother issued us two of them. It's true. We had like a 1A and uh, 1B of sorts. 1A was decade goals. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yours offhand? I don't. I certainly don't. Yeah. I don't remember all of mine. Okay. Uh, I remember I did the Murph at 60. Nice. Was one. Nice. Oh. So, uh, it's sorry yeah. to cut you off. It's, it's so my mom is turning fifty nine in a month and four days. Yeah. Uh, hi, Mumsy. I hope you're listening. Uh, and she, I remember you you brought that up on the podcast, and, and I remember her saying like, oh, "Well, I I mean, does he know I'm? <laughs> I, of course. Oh, I well, I, I well, I oh, and just like." <laughs> So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a shot yeah. at you, mom. It's not, it's not, uh, no, no, you, if anything, 59 year old. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. It, uh, did she do it or would she do it? I'm sure she would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she'd scale it, but yeah, no, that's fine. That's yeah. really fine. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, that's not a shot at you. If anything, that's, that's a, that's a nod saying I want to be like you, right. uh, you know, when I'm 59, that's right. Coming up on 60. That's right. I can't remember exactly what they were. I, 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 I didn't make them all physical. So like, I remember, uh, I'll just say it at my one for 40, uh, which is 10 years from now yes. is to be a number one, New York times bestseller, oh. bestselling author, oh. uh, 50. I can't remember my 51. I remember my hundred one nice. is to run a hundred meter dash with my brother. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, Part of, admit, I'll admit that part of where I struggled with this was I kept going back and forth between trying to write a goal for when I turn 
40 yeah. versus something to be accomplished in and throughout my 40s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I, I bet whenever I whenever I look back at the list, it's probably going to be kind of oh, all over the place. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think like 90 was like a minute plank. Sure. Nice. Uh, or maybe that was 80. No, I think 80 was a minute plank. I think 90 was 10 push-ups. And so, you know, I, I made some things Sweet. up to like aspire to. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right where it's like, yeah, I, when I, if I get to those actual ages, I'll probably look back at it and be like, but. Right. I, I mean, it gives you something to aim for. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, and so I think that's the utility of it. Yeah. And that's where it's like, I think to the extent I like goals, I like them because they give you something to aim at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Realizing that it's like, if I don't, if I don't get a minute plank when I'm 80 years old, like that has nothing. I'm not going to be bent out of shape about right. it, but that's, that's not who you are. That's not going to No, but the idea is that like, or... that is what somebody who I think at 80 is generally fit would do. And so the idea is like, it's just some level of fitness and whatever right. manifestation gives me. Yeah. Something to aim at. Yeah, right. uh, and then uh, second part letters, Thankful, thank, thank, thank you letters. Gratitude, yes, yes. Yeah, I will say that uh, I, in the midst of all things life transition, yeah. Yeah. I, they weren't physical, which I understand is a pretty big part of the the equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I expressed gratitude to three people that have been a huge part of my life. Uh, it was electronically, just given the circumstances. So, Cody, I'll get you a, I'll get you a two A or a two B, <laughs> uh, and get get three physical yeah. letters sent out. Um, but that just full full disclosure. That was that was what I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So full disclosure for me, I have I wrote them, okay. but I've not delivered them. Mm. So I'm just kind of staring at them. Fair enough. No, they exist. Can't confirm. Uh, I'm excited to deliver them, but I want to deliver them in person. And a few of them, I'm going to be seeing them here in a few days. And nice. so uh, I want to hand them to them. Yeah. Um, Out of curiosity, was there a, a theme or a, a, a trend to the people to whom they were addressed? Oddly enough, two of the three. Uh, so two of the three, and this is going to riff off a little bit of my comfort challenge or our comfort challenge for next week mm-hmm. is when I was thinking about kind of in the context of today's world and, you know, a lot of the divisiveness, um, we're trying to tackle a very heavy problem in racism that's existed for a really long time and deserves to be kind of approached and tackled with all force and vigor, uh, that we have. Um, I was trying to think about how it feels like there aren't enough, there are too many islands and not enough bridges. Um, Hmm. And so I started thinking about ways that I could be a bridge and start to facilitate some sort of common understanding and like be part of that, be part of the bridge. Yeah. Uh, between two opposing ideas and find some kind of understanding. I truly, 
I think when I think about purpose, that is something that I feel like calls to me is being a bridge, like in especially divisive times. Again, that's probably just the aspirations of Abraham Lincoln in my head and like that animates my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think at the end of the day, ultimately that's what he was. Yeah. Like to, to reintegrate the South who could have easily been forgotten and executed as war criminals mm-hmm. uh, to extend a hand of forgiveness with words like malice toward none. Like that's a, to me, that's like an unbelievable bridge and an unbelievable show of virtue. And so the point being two of my letters actually were aimed at, were two people I historically agree, disagree with on issues. Sure. Um, and the message was largely the same of one of, so I, I'm a Christian, I believe in God and I've talked about some stuff in the past, but there's a guy named uh, Brandon Heath and he's got a song uh, called give me your eyes. And the lines are Lord, give me your eyes so I can see all the things I've been missing. And so the letter to these two individuals were essentially in the tune of, thank you for helping me see the things that I keep missing. Even if we disagree. Yeah. Even if your understanding of things and your point of view is different than mine, the reality is, is that you serve a very, very valuable purpose of keeping me in check in my self-interest and my fallibility without you. I would run roughshod over things that I care about. Right. Sure. And so yeah. it's like, that was super important Two of, so two of my letters were to people. And I, I genuinely think this, it's like people who have caused me to see things I otherwise wouldn't have and like confronted me with the, my own hypocrisies. Right. And made me stare those things in the face and wonder like, what do you stand for? Yeah. Can this belief stand in the light of what you stand for? Or must it be burned away like dead wood? And like confronting those hard truths is how you grow. And so th- those are two of my letters. And then the other letter was just um, just to thank you for being there sure. at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the themes of mine. But what about for you? Nice. Uh, is there a connected? I think athletics is probably the largest yeah. connecting piece. The, the two or three were to coaches one of whom I would say is probably the most influential figure I've ever had in my life and from an athletic context, mm. my, my head college football coach. Mm. Um, another who was, again, a college athletics coach with track and field, but who I never really gave the recognition that, that she deserved. Um, and then another, uh, actually, and my seventh and eighth grade language arts teacher, good old Mr. Lutz, uh, who it was, it was him that inspired me to go into college wanting to study what I thought I wanted to study. Then things pivoted. I thought I was going to go in and be an English major, uh, ended up being a psychology major and that taking me on the path that I'm on now. But he was the original intent, and he was really the first person who I saw as a 
I want to be this when I grow up type of figure. Uh, and so if for no other reason than just teaching me that's what that feels like uh, and, and beginning to lay the groundwork for how can I do this for future generations. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, our challenge, and we talked about this, this is a collective public challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. Sorry. To, to, no. I, I just want to. I just want to drive that point home. Is that certainly you're going to hear the recaps from Noah and I on all of these things. Uh, but for anyone and everyone out there, uh, these are just as much for you as they are. For us, maybe not just yeah. as much because you're not gonna have, you're not gonna be in here on a recording, recounting your. Although I would love to hear your... that would be yeah awesome. That would be awesome. Please never hesitate to reach out yeah. to, to either of us. And if you have one for us that you would like to hear about us doing, like launch those over too. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, but just know that there. This is. These are these are available to you. Yeah. Just the same as they are to us. And I'll, I, if I'll, I would not be surprised if I come back to to these comfort challenges and continue to do them because it's mm-hmm. like it, the ones we've all done so far are have all kind of fallen in line with who the type of person I want to be is. I don't know that any any one of the ones we've done has fallen outside of that. And it's like no the the these comfort challenges are like helping instill the habits of the type of person I want to be. Yeah. And uh, the positive side effects that occur is like, Oh yeah, that's why that's the person I want to be. It's because of this, this like warmth of love. I feel when I write these letters of gratitude and then, you know, maybe, maybe the, when I give them the letters are going to throw them away, but I anticipate what will happen is kind of like our, my brother talked about it deeply kind of, medical terms that were above my head but my understanding was generally that uh when somebody reads a letter it kind of seeps deeper into their psyche than if they were to just read a text yeah so it's more meaningful and so i suspect the uh, reaction and the feelings of love that they experience from the letter um is you know will have more depth and be felt more deeply uh also and so just if that is true, if that holds true, then the um, seeing their expression upon receipt, I think, would be uh, well. Who knows? But yeah. I suspect it will be quite special. I think so. Um, and so uh, this week's comfort challenge um, is basically, and uh, this is totally on Scouts Honor. Uh, up to you, um, listener and Connor and myself, um, whatever your viewpoint is, uh, or viewpoints tend to be, or I want to say whoever you find yourself ideologically kind of falling more in line with, the challenge is to engage with at least one article or I'll say podcast or movie documentary, whatever that is out of step with your uh, traditional kind of thinking and challenges kind of your perspective 
And the, the harder part of this challenge is I want you to approach those things and engage with those things with the mindset of what is at least one thing I can learn from this. So instead of, instead of approaching it from the mindset of how do I disprove this or how do I have, you know, completely make a, so I'm going to, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this right now, but we all tend to make a straw man of the opposing person's arguments. Straw man, meaning we turn what we think their position is into the weakest possible version of that argument and attempting to combat it so we can easily swat it away and don't have to actually engage with it. We can just dismiss it with one or two words. That's making a straw man out of it. Now, the opposite of that is making a steel man. A steel man cannot easily be dismissed. It must be grappled and wrestled with. Understanding that the steel man has something to teach you. Like they, they, No side has a monopoly on the right answer. No side has a monopoly on the good. No side has a monopoly on the evil. There are things that can be learned from everybody. And so approaching and engaging with some sort of resource, book, whatever it is that you found yourself repulsed by in the past and engage with and learn something from it. And what I'll say is in my own life, I think what I've struggled with employing that is it's so easy to think that by engaging at all, you are automatically agreeing with or, um, um, you know, lining up or like uh, basically commending whatever the entirety of what that message is. But that's so false. That's so fake, right? Like you don't have to eat the meal, a whole meal. You can just take a few bites, just digest the stuff that, you know, you don't have to accept everything wholesale. You can visit the ideas one at a time as separate things separate from the people you have to separate the problem from the person and look at it objectively and so it's like don't it 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 becomes really easy to just completely shut ourselves off from opposing viewpoints because we're so scared that when we start to digest that material it will smuggle in a bunch of pirates that will like slowly hijack our minds Mm -hmm. But the reality is it doesn't have to be that that way and that each each perspective has something to teach us. And so you don't have to, you know, you don't have to take something wholesale as 100 percent true or 100 percent false. It can be fall anywhere on that spectrum. Um, But the important thing here is that uh, you recognize that um, instead of dismissing things outright, uh, it's like truthfully and honestly engaging with something that you would traditionally disagree with because it has something to teach you or something you were talking about earlier to point out that you have been missing in some way, shape or form. And so it's just like be intellectually have some intellectual humility, I guess is the purpose of this uh, conference challenge. And in case you couldn't tell by the conviction in my voice, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> to, to, to no defense, uh, we had a, we had a long conversation yeah. prior to recording about a lot of this stuff. So I'm sure it's, fresh on his mind and, and, uh, have been is present on his heart right now. Yeah. Uh, just all the more reason for it. Yeah. All the more reason for it. And but, um, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I was, uh, 
this was fantastic to do this in person for the first time. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to many more to come. Looking forward to talking to you guys and coming from you live. Coming to you live, I guess is what I say. Uh, maybe one day we'll do a video. But until then. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke's. <laughs>